the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Blessed, blessed, blessed be the name of the Lord. You know why we're so happy this morning? Because it's not 120 degrees. Amen. When you got up this morning, you turned on your cold water, and it was actually cold. And it was time to praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. The cooler temperature is coming. we got some rain. Thank you, God. Please send more. And you know what? It's our prayer this morning. God will send the rain right here inside this sanctuary and fill each and every one of us with a double portion of His Holy Spirit. Oh, my goodness. It is good to see each and every one of you. Good morning. And welcome to Welcome to Baptist Church. If you are visiting with us this morning, we'd ask you to take the time to fill out the visitor card. You'll find it in front of you, place in the offering plate. It comes around so we can have a record of your visit. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary and experience what God is doing at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. There are great things happening here. I want to share with you a little bit about what's going on there. Number one, if you open up your bulletin, you'll find that the Robinson Avenue Baptist Church women, uh, especially those women for Operation Christian Scout, are hosting a greater couple of sale for Operation Christian Scout uh, shipping costs. So you can still get with Sister DJ about that and get in your order for those uh, cutlery, those knives and things like that. So be a part of that. Uh, also, church, I want to remind you that we have many, many, many uh, sub-services happening uh, throughout the week. Starting tomorrow, we have Way of the Master Part 2. You can come be a part of that. Uh, also, uh, we have Ladies Bible Study at 9.30 on Tuesday morning and at 6.30 in the evening. Regular Wednesday services at 6.30 here in the sanctuary. And, of course, uh, we have Men's Bible Study at 6.30 on Thursday night. If you missed Saturday's prayer breakfast, you missed out on a blessing. And an amazing message by Deacon Jerome Holman. And so we want to invite you next month to join us. It'll be the third Saturday of the month in October. to come and be a part of that as well. So we're getting ready for some things that are going to be happening here soon at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. Number one, we are getting ready for our National Night Out. So please be in prayer for that. And that National Night Out is a community outreach where we honor our police officers, our firefighters, things of that nature. National Night Out does that. And so we'll set up a bounce house. We'll have music free food, hamburgers, hot dogs, potato chips, things of that nature, sides that go with hamburgers and hot dogs, and we'll offer it to the public. So it's usually a very, very well-attended event, so well over 100 visitors come, so if you're a part of, mind to be a part of that, please consider being a part of it. If you don't know if you want to be a part of it, start praying about it, and see what God says. It's a great opportunity to share the gospel with those that come. Um, and so we're also beginning our turkey outreach, and Thanksgiving is coming, our talk turkey time is coming up soon, and so be in prayer for that, where we need to give those turkeys out at, what families we need to give those turkeys to. And so start praying for us in that. We start donating for that very soon. So be on the lookout for that. There'll be a box in the foyer where you can donate stuffing, cranberry sauce, things of that nature, asparagus, and all the other things. We also take turkeys as well. Or you can donate money for that, and we will make sure those money get for that turkey outreach in that. That's also the wonderful outreach in our community. With that being said, Love Stanley Baptist Church, we have a few other things I want to share with you. I want you to be prepared for September 29th. And DJ's going to tell a little more about this in a second, but we have OCC Casting Day. Uh, once again, our Chick-fil-A Spirit Night, which is the OCC fundraiser coming up October 5th. And then we have a fundraiser meal coming up October 6th. Tickets are on sale for that fundraiser meal right now. You can get with Esther for more details. There's a sign-up sheet out in the foyer. You can be a part of that. Uh, also, last but not least, we have a fifth Sunday singing in the evening coming up from Saturday Baptist Church. We'll host uh, whatever church wants to come and sing with us that Sunday evening. We'll invite you to come sing to us, sing with us, 
and it would be a lot of fun. So we already have a few churches that have RSVP, and so please prayerfully consider being a part of that. The pastor say, Pastor, I want to sing that night. So get with me, and we'll get with Brother Mark, and we'll get to a spot inside there to sing that song. So it's time to test your singing skills. I hear you out there in the pews, and I know you can sing well. So bless us in that as we praise God together that evening. All right. I think that's all I have for the announcements. If I've forgotten something. Did you come and sit with us? Oh, yeah. Thank you, Brother Mark. Don't forget choir practice this afternoon at 430. Go ahead,
If you would, please start making your way back to your seat. All right, please enjoy this Operation Christmas Child video. I was born and raised in the Amazon, in a very distant place. I grew up in a Christian family uh, with my parents and my little sister. My country went to a really hard time economically. Uh, I remember that food was scarce. We couldn't buy toothpaste, shampoo. It was really hard to find those things. And one day I asked my mom if she could buy me those really good quality markers, and she said she could afford it for me because uh, they were all the priorities. But she, as always, she reminds me of this verse from the Bible in Psalms 37, verse 4, that says, Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desire of your heart. So one 
had a special day. Uh, there was an event for kids. It was in a soccer uh, field. And there were so many kids with their families, and they were giving shoeboxes. I remember they were sharing the gospel, they were doing some games, playing songs, and at the end they were giving the shoeboxes. So I was in my line waiting for my shoebox. And whenever I got my shoebox, I ran to the corner, I started opening my shoebox, and it was really beautiful because there were so many colors, there were so many uh, toys that were brand new. But for my surprise, I also received my really good quality markers. They were there in the shoebox. From that moment to this shoebox, I understood that what the Bible says is true. Whenever we focus on Him, whenever we seek Him, whenever we trust in Him, He promised to give us the side of our heart. To the other girl who packed this shoebox for me, I want to say thank you. I wish I could give you a hug, <laughs> but thank you. I found Jesus, love in a big, big way, in a different way. It changed my perspective on how I see Him.
Sin is the scariest, isn't it? Only one thing works. And that's when you get there, Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. My goodness, when those kids leave, it seems like they just begin to get Blessed be the name of the Lord. While we're waiting for them to get out, I'm going to share with you a couple of things. Uh, number one, you might have noticed as our choir was a little low in attendance this morning, I, was, I had the privilege, I had the honor of sitting next to Sister Shirley. Sister Shirley did not think it was a privilege or honor to skip. I'm sitting a little further and further and further. Because I, I get to dancing up there a little bit, you know, and 
She was starting to like, is this a Baptist church? Are you the Baptist? Are you sure? I can't help it. I'm sorry. So the next thing is, someone told me several times this morning, to catch what's missing is something different. I don't have a beard anymore. <laughs> no, this is not an Adolf Hitler mustache. <laughs> but I, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, thank you for praying for me in it. It was a long, long time, and that was part of even when I shaved it off. It was a relief. It really was. I slept better than I slept in a long time without any hair in my face. Praise God. Yes, hallelujah. So, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to the book of Daniel. I'm a big fan of the prophet Daniel. He is somebody who ministers to me often, speaks to me in situations when my heart is hurting, speaks to me in situations when I'm inquiring. Daniel brings a lot of answers to me. I, I love the prophet Daniel, and it's my hope and prayer that. Eventually, he'll be just as powerful to you. If you don't know where Daniel is, if you open your Bibles, you'll find Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and then you'll find two pages further on, Prophet Daniel. Prophet Daniel. We're going to start in chapter 1. In fact, the title of this morning's message is Daniel. And let me teach you a little bit about Daniel. I don't want to get into a lot of times of boring you with history or boring you with dates, something like that. But the prophet Daniel comes into our way of existence, our way of thinking into our Bible after Nebuchadnezzar removed the Jews from Jerusalem. So it's a brutal time. It's a time of misery. It's a time of heartbreak. It's a time of questioning. Of no, they don't know what the certainty of the future the only thing they can be sure of is that God is in control. So they are questioning. They are praying, and they are wondering what's going to happen. And so enters Daniel, and Daniel's name means God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. God is my judge. And with him are three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have, of course, three Hebrew names, which I'll not speak to you on this morning. But if our sermon were to have a subtitle this morning, it would sound something like this. Daniel, living godly in an ungodly world. How to live godly in an ungodly world. And I don't know about you, but I have no other way to describe, there is no other way I can think of to describe our current living situation but as ungodly. Amen? Let us go to the Lord and pray. Father, we thank you now in Jesus' name and we thank you for your word. Thank you for the cause of now, Lord, to keep our hearts there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord Savior, anybody who needs to get their heart right with you, or their Christian walk right with you, we let today be that day, Lord. We're asking you to take charge. We're asking you to edify, to equip, to encourage us. Most of all, Father God, heal us. And speak to us, Lord God. Your will will be done. Your name will be glorified. We give you that praise, honor, and glory. Even now, in Jesus' name. Once again, if you are joining us online, I want to invite you to come and be in the sanctuary with experience what God is doing if we were to subtitle our sermon this morning, it would be Living Godly in an Ungodly World. And there is no other description that fits modern-day life than ungodliness. We live in a world where homosexuality is accepted, where abortion is accepted, where drug use is considered 
A-OK for lying, deceiving, cheating is considered a normal part of life. And let me tell you something, that is ungodly. We live in an ungodly world. Look at Ephesians, Daniel chapter 1. We're going to read the first 12 verses. The Bible says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuch, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank. Three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave to Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself in the portion of the king's delicacy, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you will endanger my head. So Daniel said to the steward, whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. And let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready? If you look at living godly in an ungodly world, I want to tell you, buckle your seatbelt, because we're going to get moving a little bit this morning. We're going to move fast now. So you got to hang in there. If I get to talking fast, just listen fast. Amen? So that's what you got to do. Be a part of that now. Buckle on to your seatbelt. Grab a hold of the back of the shoes. Bite your pencil. Whatever it is you got to do. Because we're going to get moving a little bit as we look at living godly in an ungodly world. This message is very hard-hitting and it's very timely for today. So I want you to think a little bit about what it takes to live godly in an ungodly world. Remember now, remember that Jesus told us himself, to be light in this world. He said, hey, you are the light of the world. He told us that we don't take light into our houses, cover it with a shade so that no one can see it. Instead, we put it up on a pedestal so that all the house may have light. We are the light of the world. Can somebody say amen this morning? We're supposed to be light everywhere we go. We're supposed to be light in everything that we do. We're supposed to be light wherever we are. But in here lately, the church has been covering that light. The church is saying, well, I don't want to offend somebody. Light doesn't offend. Light reveals. Are you hearing me this morning? Now, Jesus also told us to be salt, though. Remember, we're the salt of the earth. And let me tell you a little bit about salt. Number one, it's good on your french fries. Can I get amen on that? Number two, if you get salt in your cut, it stings, doesn't it? And so as salty Christians, we're supposed to be a little bit stinging to the world. When they get a wound, when they grab a hold of sin, sin should be the scariest thing in the world to them. We're supposed to be salt, though, and let them know, hey, that sting 
stay away from it. You know what else salt does, though? Salt also preserves. Salt is a preservative and so it keeps things from decaying. And church, we are keeping this world from decaying. And one of these days, listen to me now, one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to come back. And one of these days, He's going to call His church, His body, His bride out of this world. And when we're gone, this world is really going to fall to pieces and start decaying because we are the salt of the earth. Amen? And Jesus gave us numerous instructions on remaining godly in an ungodly world. He gave us lots of them, though we're not going to focus in on the New Testament this morning. We're going to focus in on the Old Testament. We're going to focus in on how Daniel lived godly in an ungodly world. So let's take a look at the first three verses. Look with me quickly now. The Bible tells us again, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Who besieged Jerusalem? Nebuchadnezzar did. Who was in charge inside of Jerusalem? Jehoiakim was. Daniel was a young man. He was related somewhere to somebody on the throne, or perhaps he was just somewhere in the noble court. It doesn't matter. What matters is his world gets turned upside down, gets completely obliterated and destroyed. Does that sound like you this morning? Do you live in a world where everything is being turned upside down? Is your marriage falling apart? Is your life falling apart? Is your job falling apart? I want you to know there's a challenge in the Bible for you to start living godly in an ungodly world. You need to begin to come to be godly in an ungodly world. Look with me in verse 2. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God. So, Nebuchadnezzar actually takes things out of the temple of God. Now, the temple of God didn't exist anymore, as you know. It was destroyed in the year 70 A.D. by the Roman general Titus. However, before this happened here, before the Jews regained control, Nebuchadnezzar ransacks it, and he takes some of the articles, not all of them, but some of the articles, out of the house of God. He takes some of the golden shields, he takes the golden labor, and amongst other things he takes out. But mostly he's interested in the gold. And he takes the gold out of the temple of God. And he brings them back into, my Bible says here in Daniel, to the land of Shinar. Shinar is where Babylon is. It's the Shinar plain. And if you know anything biblically, and I'm sure that you do, that is exactly where they built the Tower of Babel in the Shinar plain. In my opinion, that's where we're going to see new Babylon one of these days. If it started there, it's going to end there. And incidentally, we often think that the, the world is focused on the United States. Wrong. The world should be focused on Jerusalem. Amen? That's where our eyes need to be. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, we're in verse 2, king of Judah into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. Remember now, his name is Nebuchadnezzar, and he names all these Jewish captains who worship the God of Israel, and the God of Israel, you know, because that's the God we worship, without apology, that is Jehovah. That is, in Hebrew, Yahweh. That is that God. It's who we worship. His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, gives us a relationship with Him through that. Now, over in Babylon, they worship a idol called Baal. That's why you have names like Belshazzar. That's what they gave Daniel his name to be, meaning that he was a servant of Baal. Right, you'll see things that are going on in there, in that with Baal in it, or Baal in it. So, that's the God that he worships, and he's bringing these sacred, holy items into the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Look at me in verse 3. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, which is the guy in charge of all the eunuchs inside of Babylon, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Now, we know from reading the rest of the scriptures that Daniel is in that group. 
that Daniel's a part of that. So his life gets turned upside down. Now, when I was a young man, I enjoyed watching television. I guarantee you, I watched the entire Lucy Brothers. Can I get an amen on One of the shows I used to watch, though, was The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Do y'all remember that with Will Smith on there? And Will Smith gets into one little fight, and he has to go and live with his auntie and uncle in Bel-Air. Do y'all remember that? So his life got twisted, turned upside down. Let me tell you, it was nothing comparable to what Daniel went through. Daniel's home was destroyed. Daniel's family is murdered. Daniel's way of life is trampled underfoot, and he's carried from his homeland, out of his home country, and into a foreign country where there's a foreign god. His life is turned completely upside down. That's where Daniel is. You think right now that your marriage problems are turning your life upside down. You think right now your employment problems are turning your life upside down. You may think right now your medical problems or your Addiction problems turn your life upside down. Let me tell you, it doesn't compare to Daniel. Daniel's family no longer exists. Daniel's way of life no longer exists. Daniel's hometown doesn't exist. It's a smear now on the map. Daniel's world is turned upside down, and he's marched into Babylon, and he's expected now to serve the king who just ordered the destruction of his life. So number one, if we're going to live godly in an ungodly world, if you're going to live godly in an ungodly world, then we got to start learning something. we got to start learning how to be more like Daniel. You say, how can we be more like Daniel? Well, number one, we need to understand that as Christians, that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, and let me tell you something, and I'm going to go ahead and preach on it this morning because I get tired of this. Being a Christian is not somebody who comes to church. Somebody say amen. Being a Christian is not somebody who reads the Bible every now and then. Being a Christian is not somebody who said a prayer or got dunked in the water. Being a Christian is somebody who has a personal relationship with the God of Israel through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That's what a Christian is. Somebody who knows Him, knows His voice, worships Him, and is willing to die for Him. Somebody who serves Jesus without apology. That's a Christian. So here's the deal. When you become a Christian, you need to understand the world is going to hate you. The world is going to be against you. In fact, Jesus tells us that. He says, hey, guys. I'm paraphrasing here. But he tells us, if the world hates me, it's going to. Help me out now. It's going to hate you. If it hated me first, it's going to hate you. So why is that a surprise to us when the world looks at a blood-bought, born-again, redeemed Christian and says, oh, there's something wrong with you. You know, Christians come in all shapes and sizes. Some of us are short, amen. Some of us are fat, amen. Some of us are extremely good looking, amen. <laughs> some of us, however, some of us come from backgrounds that hurt us. And we got pictures, and we got stains, and we got scars all over us. But you know what? Christians aren't judged by where we came from. Christians are judged by where we're going into heaven because of our relationship with God Almighty. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. Now, Daniel's life is turned upside down. It's been twisted. It's been turned around. In fact, his way of life has been destroyed. As far as he's concerned, there is no way he can go back unless God does a miracle. Daniel, however, begins to understand that what has happened to him and happened to his family wasn't because Daniel was bad. It wasn't because Daniel deserved it. It was because the nation was being judged. So we need to understand something, Christians. You need to listen to me quickly now. Come in close and put it on your refrigerator door. We are 
being judged, not because the church is bad, not because Christians haven't prayed enough, but because our nation has embraced the same things Babylon did. Homosexuality, drug abuse, immorality, abortion. We have grabbed a hold of sin and tried to normalize it inside of our life today. But we need to live godly in an ungodly world. We need to start living godly in a world that is extremely ungodly. How do we do that? Well, as a Christian, you're going to understand. As a blood-bought, born-again Christian, you need to understand that eventually the world is going to take you out of your comfort zone. They're going to take you out of your Jerusalem. They're going to take you out of your temple. They're going to take you out of your Bible-believing people. They're going to take you somewhere that you don't want to be. Ask Daniel about it. Daniel, how that went. Daniel's life was all about worshiping God. Daniel's life was all about getting closer to God. It was all about having the blessings of God. And one day, Nebuchadnezzar showed up. One day, Nebuchadnezzar and the legions of his army, his legions had chariots, shields, horses, bowmen. They were the most advanced army the world had known at that time. Showed up at Daniel's door. Not only did they sack Jerusalem, but the Bible says they pillaged and raided five times. That implies, dear Daniel, that God had pulled the protection away. So God has said, go ahead, destroy it. Go ahead. So Daniel's world really is turned upside down. That's what God used to see. That's who I'm talking to. You have been listening in to my telephone call. Have you seen the meme on social media here lately? Where this guy is looking under his couch and he's like, I'm looking for the hidden microphone because Pastor, you preach it on everything in my life. <laughs> no, because I'm praying for you every day. Every day, by name, your pastor prays for you and your family and your children. If you're a member here at Rock Sanders, you get prayed for, lifted up before God every single day. Without a doubt. Here's the deal, though. When you're a born-again, blood-bought Christian, you're going to get taken out of your comfort zone sooner or later. Some people get worse than others. Some people get bigger than others out of their comfort zone, like Daniel. I don't know about you, but Daniel had it pretty bad. Somebody say amen. We like to think of our out-of-comfort zone is, what do you mean I can't go to McDonald's? i got to go to Burger King today. We think that's out of our comfort zone. What do you mean i got to read out of this Bible instead of my Bible? What do you mean I can't sit in the same chair I was sitting in last week? I was working a good groove into it. Now i got to start over. Move out of your comfort zone. And let me tell you something. If you're going to be godly in an ungodly world, then you need to start getting motivated. And you need to start getting ready because God is going to call His people to move up and out of our comfort zone. Bear with me after this. Just go with me for just a second. When we move out of our comfort zone, and God is calling us to live godly in an ungodly world. And to do so, we've got to get out of our comfort zone and start going places that we're not comfortable going. What's one of the places that the church isn't comfortable going? Well, you know what? It seems to me that the church has forgotten that the gospel is for lost people, not for saved We have forgotten that we're supposed to love them, bring the gospel to them, preach to them, reach out to them, 
and go and beg them, compel them, like the Bible says, from the highways and the hedges to come in to God's house. And instead, we built the house saying, y'all can come into us. And we're supposed to be living godly in an ungodly world. And you see, you're going to get out of our comfort zone. If you're going to be godly in an ungodly world, the first thing you need to do is get out of your comfort zone. I don't know about you, but there are many things that make me uncomfortable. You know what makes me uncomfortable? Are you ready for this? Politics. What else makes you uncomfortable? When was the last time you shared the gospel with Is that uncomfortable for you? When's the last time you shared the gospel with a family member? Is that uncomfortable for you? The family members do it? You know what? There's nothing hard in the world. Then when your son or your daughter or your spouse or your mom or your dad or your brother or your sister says, don't talk to me about politics or religion. You have got to get out of your comfort zone and start living godly in an ungodly world. And to do so, sometimes our world has to get turned upside down. It's amazing to me. It's amazing right now that most of the time here in the United States of America, do you know what brings people back to church? More than anything, more than revivals, more than preaching, more than necessary needs. What brings people back to a church is a funeral. That's what brings people back inside a church, a funeral. And they say, man, we need to get back with God. God, I want you to heal my heart. God, I want you to heal my family. And they turn right back around and step back out into the world. You are being called to live godly in an ungodly world. But when we decide to live godly, we're going to find out it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. So number one. When you decide, when you choose as a Christian, I'm going to be godly in an ungodly world, you are going to be getting out of your comfort zone. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacy, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So not only is Daniel taken out of his comfort zone, he's taken out of his house, taken out of his background, taken out of his family. He no longer had fame or importance. No longer did people even know his name. He was uncomfortable. And let me tell you, some of us need that to happen right now in our hearts and our lives. We need to be twisted, turned upside down, and show that this world is not about us, but about God Almighty. Here in verse 8, though, Daniel, my Bible says, verse 8, purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacy. Now, let's be honest for a second. We know what the Bible's talking about here. Daniel, who's being Jewish, is saying, hey, I'm not going to eat anything uncomfortable. That means that pork chop baby ain't coming to me. And you say, Pastor, are you telling us not to eat pork? No, that's not what I'm saying. No. Somebody should praise God right now that we're Baptist. I'm telling you, thank God for the new covenant where we are dead to the law, but alive in grace. Amen? Thank God that we're no longer responsible for that part of the law, but only in so wait a minute. So what's Daniel's problem here? So no one something to be wrong with Daniel. Daniel purposes in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacy. Daniel made his heart make a promise. Daniel made his heart say, no, I will not go with the things of the world. And Christian, if you're going to live godly in an ungodly world, the first thing you need to expect is our world will be turned upside down. The second thing you can start looking forward to is that you, as a Christian, have to start purposing in your heart that you will not go to the king's delicacies. You won't
don't give yourself to the things of this world. You'll stop giving yourself to alcohol, tobacco, to drugs, to pornography, to anger, to revenge. Come on now, are you with me this morning? you got a purpose in your heart. Daniel purpose in his heart. I will not defile myself with these things. You're going to live godly in an ungodly world. You've got to start purposing right now to move in your heart to not be a part of the king's family. To live godly in an ungodly world, you need the purpose in your heart to not be defiled. What is your defilement? All the years I served in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, what was the bane of my existence? What was one of the muscles that come by and start complaining? Oh, Chaplain Morrison. Oh, Pastor Morrison. Oh, Reverend Morrison, boy, I just get upset when they call me Reverend. However, I knew what they came to my office for. You didn't give us enough stuff. You didn't give us enough time. You did not provide enough for us. And you need to keep giving and keep giving and keep giving and keep giving. And I just knew that weekly visit was coming. I knew that somewhere in that visit, they would attack, cheese, assault, write their complaint somewhere in the state of Texas. Some lawyer or some attorney, some warden in the prison system would contact you and say, why are you abusing my Islamic offenders? And I would answer that with, they're not being abused. This is a policy. This is a policy that you wrote. They said, oh, thank you very much. Here's the deal, though. And I learned Say, well, when in Rome, do what Romans do. Uh-huh. Hey, 
hey, the church isn't here today, so I'm going to live like the world does. I'm on vacation. Where's the boss? Uh-huh. Amen or oh me this morning. Daniel purpose in his heart to not be defiled by the world. That's what we've got to do. And Daniel purpose and Daniel overcame and Daniel was looked at with favor because he purposed in his heart to not defile himself with the world. Now you know the rest of the story. You know how Nebuchadnezzar had the dream. You know how he's getting ready to kill all the wise men from Babylon until Daniel shows up. Daniel interprets the dream, and Daniel's been placed in a position of authority. He has respect. He has favor. Eventually, Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. As you probably know, Daniel interprets that as well. Somewhere down the line, though, Nebuchadnezzar, he goes out purposing his heart to seek after God. He purposes in his heart to grow himself and to be better for himself. This is the decree that is foolish and foolhardy. Nebuchadnezzar issues a decree that says, Hey, I'll create a statue. And that statue represents me and the glory of my kingdom and the glory of my splendor and my history. Back in time, I had musicians play the music. Everybody in Babylon shall fall down on their knees and start worshiping me and praying to me. In fact, you get caught praying to any other god but to me. I'll put you in the lion. Room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, and knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Lord, what can we learn from that? Number one, are you ready? I told you to put your seatbelt on. Are you ready? Number one, if you're going to be godly in an ungodly world, then we've got to take the advice of Daniel and purpose in our heart to not defile ourselves. Number two, we've got to become a people, a church, the body of Christ who does more than just talk about situations. They get on their knees and pray about situations. Daniel, when he saw that the writing was signed, he didn't cry about it. He didn't moan about it. He didn't complain about it. He went home and he prayed about it. And that's what we've got to start doing in the church today. We whine, we complain, we point our fingers at the television when really we need to be on our knees praying. Somebody say amen this morning. Daniel went and prayed. Not once, not twice, three times that day. I've heard about that. I've taken the Daniel diet while eating up those vegetables and water. I don't recommend it. Nothing but vegetables and water. It may be good for some people, but I'm telling you right now, it ain't good for me. Nope. I'm into fitness. I'm into fitness that whole cheeseburger in my mouth. Amen. That's tough. <laughs> so these people who wanted this law sign. They wanted that law sign. They knew the Daniel first. I know I don't think that's a good thing. They know where you are right now. They know you're accepting. 
Well, like this, if you don't say amen, you say amen in a Baptist church. They know you're here. They know you came here. They know you're watching online. They know. It's like the new game. Everyone's trying to fly the scripture. Does anybody pray for anybody else other than Nebuchadnezzar?
However, he took the test, he studied, made like an 11 on the test. I'm not kidding you. Started crying. I ministered with her at the end. Talked to her about that. Talked to her about life choices. However, left singing because I made it. You can ask Betsy that. You say, Well, how many times did you take it? I don't know what I'm Don't be looking at me like I'm a genius. No, I'm not going to you Don't study. It's not going to know. You don't make it a point. Study it out. It's not going to know. People tell me all the time how do I share the gospel? You have not studied it out. The Bible Make it a point to study it out. And the Bible will show you step by step how to do it, when to what to say, when to say it. The Bible is the answer. Daniel gives us one of those answers. And I like to turn down. And we make that commitment to be godly and ungodly world. We've got to be people of prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. Daniel went home and prayed. He didn't go home and cry. He didn't go to his wife. Say boo hoo hoo, they hate me. He got on his knees. Pray. Daniel teaches us that we need to pray when it hurts. Daniel teaches us that we need to pray when life goes wrong. Daniel teaches us we need to pray when life goes right. Daniel teaches us that we need to pray always. The New Testament teaches us in First Thessalonians five seventeen that we should pray without ceasing. We should never stop praying because of life. You should be praying always without ceasing. Daniel was praying and praying and praying and praying and he prayed about everything and he prayed when it hurt and he prayed when it was happy and he prayed when it was sad and he prayed when it was raining and he prayed when it was shining and he prayed when the cowboys won and when the cowboys lost. He prayed. He prayed. Daniel teaches us to be people of prayer. To be people of prayer, we got to put a couple of couple of principles work. Number one, quickly now since we're already at 12 o'clock. Number one, we, to be people of prayer, need to make prayer a priority. That means prayer has to become a number one thing in our life, not a fallback to. And that's what we seem to do in the Christian church today is, oh my goodness, I'm hurting. Oh my goodness, I'm not feeling good. Oh my goodness, I need something. Pray for me. You should have been praying before you ever got there. Amen? We are people of prayer. God's people are people of prayer. You're going to live godly in an ungodly world. You need to be a people of prayer, and that means prayer to be a priority. Number two, you're going to be prioritized prayer. You're going to find out that prayer becomes your principle. What do you mean by that? You're going to start praying your principles. What are your principles? What are, what's important to you is what you pray for. Pretty soon, when you become a person of prayer, it's no longer to be give me, give me, give me, God. Help me, help me, help me, God. It's going to get them, God. Reach them, God. Share with the gospel with them, God. Out of a sudden, your priorities will change into people. When you become people of prayer, what you're going to prioritize is their salvation. You're going to worry more about where they're going than what's happening. You're going to worry more about their soul than about their stomach. You're going to be truly godly. 
you've got to be a person of faith. That look at those Matthew 5, 14, 48, the Bible says, you've heard that they said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who fight you, use you, and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and send rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. If you greet the brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Amazing. Daniel. Life changing. Daniel becomes not the number one ruler, he becomes the only ruler underneath him. Daniel does. Daniel served Nebuchadnezzar. And what did Nebuchadnezzar do? Nebuchadnezzar sacked his homeland, destroyed his house, murdered his family, murdered his past and his history, and he still served him. Why? Pray for those who persecute you. Are you hearing me? I wonder how many times he was given orders. All I had to do was jump into the fire on the way back to the Nobody will make it. Not Daniel. Daniel was godly and ungodly world. We're going to close in a word of prayer. I'm just focusing on this morning. I'm going to ask you to come this morning. What is life in Jesus? Pastor said, Pastor, I need to become a Christian. When you talk about being a Christian, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, Say, Brother Joshua, I am a Christian, but I need to search on it. Whatever the case may be, we can agree to come this morning. We're going to close that word of prayer and ask you to humble yourself. Come, surrender to what God is to be a godly person in an ungodly world. Let's pray together. Father, come to now in Jesus' name, Lord. How we thank you for this today. I ask you to take charge even now. If there'll be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, anyone.
you get their heart right with you, or anyone, Lord God, who's quality of baptism, or anyone, Lord God, who's your part right now. We want to just raise you that day. We want to give you the praise, the honor, and glory, and that you take charge even now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. you come through things? Open my eyes. Would you come this morning? Live God in an ungodly world. Come on.